Steve Sherlock here for Franklin. That is Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFBR.FM, and in the local Franklin FM radio dial at 102.9. Here today for another Talking Schools session with our school committee men, Dave Callahan. Dave, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Steve. Again, thanks uh, for, uh, for the invitation to come on back. I appreciate this. Well, we need to get the word out on the schools, especially in this budget season, although some of the key milestones have been passed now that FinCom did their hearings, Town Council made their hearings, and but there's still some things on the wings that we can get into in terms of... So the budget season is not over yet. No, this is by far the longest season, I think, that, uh, <laughs> that we've, I've experienced. Uh, I will take uh, you know New England uh, winter over some of these long, uh, mm -hmm. lengthy budget seasons, but... Uh, you know, like it, it, it's great. It's for, just for as a as a taxpayer, a citizen, to be able to kind of tune in. It is such an amazing education listening to everything that's happening at the FinCom and through the budget hearings. Mm -hmm. And uh, but yeah, now we're we're really kind of you know, putting pen to paper, seeing where the numbers are at, and trying to finalize a lot of our our budgets. Yeah, and not to put too much of a dis disappointment to it, but technically, when I've talked with both the controller, treasurer, collector, and Jamie, the budget season effectively goes from December to December. <laughs> from when they set the tax rate, which closes officially the budget year, right? And then even by that time, they've actually started the outlook for the next budget. So it's a continuous cycle. <laughs> yeah, there's not, not a lot of downtime. It was like I happened to uh, uh, last year, uh, stop by central office and, and say hi to Lucas on I think it was what like the one of the first days of, of summer vacation mm -hmm. And he already was digging into what he's gonna do for sure. for the fall And yeah. so it's it's just like that. Yeah, it's it's a continuous thing But at least you know, we'll be able to right. to start seeing the money and start making uh, you know more more firm strategies Moving forward now, right, right and for the listeners. Thank you for listening if you hadn't heard um, what happened during the FinCom hearings and the town council hearings. We'll kind of get into those details a little bit at least. There certainly are resources available. All the videos are available. Uh, the audios were just published through Franklin Matters as well. So we'll include those links in the show notes. You don't have to scramble for them now. But um, yeah, so the schools effectively, well, the school committee effectively added to the budget for what the superintendent had recommended. And that was still more than what the town administrator was allocating. So you're not getting all of that, but you are getting a little bit more, which is part of where this budget <laughs> continuation comes from. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We had, there was between what the school committee had, had recommended and what uh, came out of the town administrator and, and the FinCom, it was about a $2.4 million gap. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so what we'll, we'll see next week. Uh, I think it's going to be on June 7th. You know, there, there's some talks about some other ways where we might be able to, to add, uh, the town council might be able to add in more to the school's budget, right. where we really can then kind of reprioritize some of the stuff that was, that was cut and was lost yeah. as we tried to, to, you know, really fill that $2.4 million gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so from what I understand, and clearly the details are also on the town council website, town administrator website, certainly on the budget page, has all the links as much reading material as you would like. Um, but he stepped through, he, he originally had allocated the 1.1, as we said, and then he's identified some other individual buckets of funds that 
for a couple of reasons, certainly notification, the town council couldn't make those adjustments right away because they had needed the prior notification in order to take action on them. So yeah, they're set it up for the June 7th meeting. We'll see that confirmed when the agenda comes out, but I'm assuming that will happen because the town administrator clearly is trying to foster that, you know, one Franklin, we're all together. He gives you in the school committee the money, then you determine within the budget your decisions and i think even chair mercer emphasized that a couple of times that you know with all due respect town council gives a line item and that's all they do everything else is within your purview right yeah well we'll be able to to go into as it's been you know said multiple times there are a lot of hard decisions and mm -hmm. hard conversations that are having to be made especially when there's you know 2.4 million dollar uh, difference yeah. And, you know, but yeah, so now once we kind of have those those finalized numbers from town council, it'll be, yeah, the school committee will be working with Superintendent Jagir and, and his office on, yeah, prioritizing and figuring out how best to, mm -hmm. to rebuild some of the stuff that had to be cut from there. Right, right. How best reallocate, yeah, the available funds and now the newly available funds, <laughs> which at least is a happy part. And for the listeners as well, uh, the addition of the approximately 700k, as I recall, gets the town to providing 1.8 million, which is really kind of the average that the town had done based on the the budget calculation over the last 10 years. So it's still not giving you all, and there were a couple of times where you did get all because of the for fortunate of the circumstances. Mm -hmm. But there were some times you clearly, you clearly did not even get a million dollars right? because also of budget circumstances. So you're in a better position. Are you in the best position? No, clearly. And that's where hard decisions still need to be made. You know, and, and I think a lot of it, and I believe we talked about this in one of our last conversations too, but when, when the school committee put forward their recommendation, mm -hmm. which, as you stated, you know, was, was even above what uh, the superintendent had initially had requested, right. it wasn't to to pit any one department against each other or to, to say that, you know, that, you know, the schools are, are, you know, take top priority. It was just to to really throw it out to the rest of the community to say, you all know what level and what your expectations are from the schools. And, mm -hmm. and when you, when you, you know, put your kids on the bus, you drop them right. off, you know what you're going to expect at the, at the end of the day and at the end of the school year here's how much that cost. Sure. And so, you know, we knew that there was a lot that, that obviously wasn't going to be able to, to mm -hmm. be allocated in. I think what we had requested took up all of the new growth, even more than of the new growth. And yeah. there, was, there was even, you know, was available, but at least to be able to kind of throw it out to the community to say, if you, you know, are want to have these levels of services continue, here's a price tag for it. So that way now we can at least kind of start to have the conversations to say, uh, do we want to, do we want to pay that, that price tag? Do we want mm -hmm. to be able to, to continue to afford all the great products that the schools are able to, to produce? Yeah. And I think that's going to be, I was heartened at least by a couple of data points that did come up, which clearly I'll reshare here as part of the story to make sure people picked up what I did and at least confirmed that, oh yeah, I got that too. Um, but I think the big issue still is, and I'm also heartened because at least I'm hearing from some of kind of the, the conversation that there's a recognition that we do need to do more. 
one of the key data points, and we've talked of kind of the per pupil cost and our positioning vis-a-vis -vis even the Hockamock, but the one other stat that came out from a wealth perspective, we're in the top 20% across the Commonwealth, and yet our student funding is in the bottom 25%. That clearly says there's an opportunity there, and the real opportunity for us, i.e. even what we're doing here today, is helping to tell that story. How do we justify that so people say, really? Then is that that much of a difference? How do we fix that? And I think people are finally starting to say, how do we fix that? In which I, I was, uh, it was night three of the FinCom meeting where yeah, Jamie kind of talked about some future mm -hmm. options. And there was one where he talked, he went into detail about that extra 700,000 they might be able to allocate. Right. But even kind of moving forward, like like what do we do? And so at least, yeah, there, there is that recognition to say, if we want to continue to have all these great services, you know, the, the pie just isn't big enough no. right now. And, it, but if we, if we want to not even expand it, just keep what we have right now yeah we're going to have to to try to rise mm -hmm. up to to meet that that difference sure and uh you know but so at least now i, I know that there there are a lot of conversations going around both informally and, and formally uh to to kind of talk about some of those next steps mm -hmm. and i think uh Councilor jones mentioned that certainly prop two and a half was done back in what in the mid 80s um and it was based upon the inflation rate at the time which clearly has changed over time. Now we're certainly experiencing a bit more inflation, and yet the two and a half is not really sufficient to give us, to, or to give any community really, unless you go above and beyond, the kind of the wherewithal just to even provide kind of a level service from year to year costs more each year. Yeah, I thought I loved that comment when he talked about, yeah, just, you know, you look at the inflation from conception of Prop 2.5 until today, and it's, it's outpaced 2.5. Mm -hmm. And so, sure. yeah, year over year, especially, you know. More I, recently. I, yeah, more recently. <laughs> I know, you know, Jamie's, uh, Helen's <coughs> talking about inflation now seeking, you know, uh, into the budget. And so, yeah, that buying power just gets less and less and less. And mm -hmm. so there's this, this, just fewer resources that we're able to to allocate because everything's just so much more expensive and it's not able to 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 keep up with the level of service at, at with the the prop two and a half as it is mm -hmm. yeah so while it may sound easy we'll just change the rate <laughs> that does make sense but that uh, also requires 351 communities in some form to come together to do that thereby is it within our power we can certainly spend some effort but then how much of a yield are we going to get it <laughs> from it? Jamie's mentioned that story, and you don't, you don't spend a lot of time on things if you're just going to beat your head on it all the time, right? And that was, you know, uh, they talked about, like, the unfunded mandates. They sure. kind of mentioned that. Right. Um, and, uh, and, and it is something that, as a school committee, we had looked into it kind of even further than some of the stuff that was maybe mentioned during the budget hearings. Well, and one of the pieces that I think at least we can reference now, one of the things that I thought, and I almost st stood up to say, well, you have had annual legislative forums where you've directly talked with your our legislative delegation to try and address those. And at least from what I've heard there, they at least have the line to the extent funded or to the extent allocated funds are allocated or some phrasing like that. Right. So that they at least have recognized that. Obviously, they also 
need to fund it. And in some cases, they have better than others, but at least they've recognized that part. Um, it's going to take a while for that really to uh, resolve itself, I think. Yeah. Exactly. And, and when you just look at the return on investment between, yeah, you know, like the, the resources going into trying to request some of some of those changes at mm -hmm. the, you know, on, on Beacon Hill, it's just, it, it's, it's certainly doable. And I think every time we have the legislative forums, we're going to continue to ask, we're going to continue to advocate for sure. that. And we had a, a budget workshop where we kind of, we had, Lucas loves to say street math, but mm -hmm. we're, we're I think Miriam took it a little bit more calculated, mm -hmm. but really kind of drilled down to say, here are a lot of the unfunded mandates and here are some approximate costs. And, sure. and it's a lot, but it's just, it's trying to, you know, you're trying to push that boulder uphill mm -hmm. right. uh, when it comes to, when it comes to unfunded mandates. We're, we're, we're trying, we're, you know, it's, we're not leaving it alone as a lost no, cause, no. but I think that they really kind of addressed it. I think uh, both Jamie and uh, Chairman Mercer at the uh, budget hearings to say it's it, it's something that it's not likely to to go away yeah, anytime even soon. Even the one key piece that I know affected the school's budget by coincidentally about 700k was that intra-district uh, funding or uh, charge that went up 14% versus what an average of 1.8 or 2 or something. All of a sudden, jump and Jamie said from a state level, it's only 93, only 93 million at a state level, and yet both the House and Senate haven't done anything with it yet. Right, it was so. crickets, <laughs> and yeah, you want to see, want to see Jamie mad. Like you, you, you watch him on some of these meetings when he's talking about the fact, yeah, like it was. I think at its highest, it, it had gone up three uh, percent at its at its absolute highest, and then all of a sudden a fourteen percent increase. Right that the burden just immediately shifts straight back to the municipalities that we're just, we're shouldering. Right. And again, yeah, you know, $93 million. And we're not alone. No, but would have covered the entire Commonwealth. Sure. Um, and so all of a sudden that's just baked in. Uh, that and, and every other, in, you know, inflation, you know, uh, mm -hmm. increase is just immediately baked into the budget. Right. Yeah, so as hard decisions are, they're here. Um, but I think to the extent that there's some conversations out there, I can see a couple of ways that, and clearly the Joint Budget Subcommittee needs to, and they've acknowledged at least having a couple more meetings to start to do some of that strategic planning. You know, if an override were to be considered, from my point of view, we've already got some of the basis points already calculated for us. Jamie, every year, does that five-year outlook. So we can develop some mathematical modeling, even if it's crude, it still gives us something to a ballpark to say, okay, anticipated this, anticipated this, this is what we want. And then we're just going to have to, and I think the other way to look at it was from a school's perspective, you've already quantified kind of the vision of the future in terms of the portrait of a graduate, right? So what does it truly take to deliver the portrait of a graduate today? Mm -hmm. Granted, we've already talked and there's a whole list of other programs that were cut over time. Maybe some of those come back, maybe some don't. But aside from that, what does it take to deliver portrait of a graduate today? And then kind of model that and see what that comes out to be. Is it going to, is it, I don't know, I think even in one of the, I think it was in the deep dive with the FinCom, uh, the chair said, you know, if we gave you a hundred million more, could you use it? Well, yeah, I'm sure you yes. could. <laughs> <laughs> and I love because at the the most recent FinCom, their, their week of, of meetings, I think it was uh, Tyrell had actually had, had talked about that very thing to say sure. it's when, you know, when you're able to kind of have that long-term vision 
in a price tag. It's it's so much easier to be able to to look at when you're looking at the numbers. And, mm -hmm. and I know, you know, um, he kind of commented and, and I, um, you know, Lucas and his team did a great job with the budget hearings when they, they really kind of showcase, like they had like stories of, of different students yeah. and all the different services that the student receives. Not only is it is a good, I don't want to say storytelling, mm -hmm. but because it, it's, it's real, it's, it's happening, but right. just a great illustration to say, um, you know, here's why that price tag is at this level that it's at. Sure. And yeah, and to your point to say, well, you know, in, in five years, here's what we're looking at and here's how much that's going to cost. Mm -hmm. Can we as a community be able to move forward to, to reach that goal. Yeah, and I think that's that was a good, because I think even a couple of years ago, a graphic had come up in terms of all the support professionals, because clearly the classroom today is not just the teacher, right? Everybody still talks of teachers in the classrooms, but it's not just a teacher. There's a whole host of additional titles, whether ESPs, specific guides, uh, occupational therapists, et cetera, et cetera. There's a whole list of them. And I think it's what, even 12 or 14 around that circle chart, if mm -hmm. I'm visualizing it properly. And to the extent that that at least aligns, so a typical student, quote, a example student is probably the better term. An example student in K, this is what the student is receiving in terms of support. And it's not just the teacher, these other services are provided. And then go through grade by grade. So, yeah, that's a great explainer to at least say, oh, it's not just a teacher anymore. It's all these other resources. And then, then we can use that and then start modeling that out to put the dollars to it. Because um, I think even when we've talked of in-house special ed delivery versus external special ed delivery, right, we're effectively half the cost delivering the same services relatively for, to meet, by law, the needs of that particular student, right? And that's where some of the, the space requirements have come up where, you know, it's not just, well, a classroom can fit 20 people, maybe in kind of the regular classroom, but in a special ed, special program kind, maybe you only have six or eight. So obviously the space changes there. Um, and it's to our benefit because if, if instead of and I think it's, what, 70 to 100 students that we deliver that in-house service versus X number that we send out, where the nature of those services we can't deliver economically internally. Mm -hmm. So we have to, by law, deliver them anyway. But at least by delivering the others in-house, we're saving a boatload of money. Oh, it was Miriam, yeah, you know, put it at about $50,000 per, per child. Student. Per student. Right. Yeah, that is getting in-house services as mm -hmm. opposed to yeah to, to sending them out right. out of the district and again and you know it's still not to talk about just the benefit too of, of the kiddos just staying in their community in yeah. their schools kind of in growing up their there peers potentially yes but yeah. as we you know talking about the budget we'll mm -hmm. get to the numbers fifty thousand dollars is an incredible amount of, of savings that's going on so there's there's you know not a lot of fat in this budget, as big as the budget is, when you're looking at it, you see all the services that are being offered. Some of them that are, like with, with those students that are being offered to save the taxpayers a considerable amount of money, mm -hmm. and some that are being offered just because, uh, you know, to the experience that, you know, that my kids are having in school right now and the right. needs that my kids are having yep. right now is a lot different than, you know, when, when I was their age. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's growing and it's it's needed to grow and mm -hmm. with that though comes you know extra extra dollars right and i think that's part of 
the discussion and the development of both that model and the stories that we need to tell to the community so that they can have that kind of aha moment that's hit us from time to time and get them to say, you know, at some point in time with the right number, we're just going to have to do something. You know, and I know that, um, you know, as we, we talk about right number and we talk about, you know, some of the, the hard conversations that are mm -hmm. that are happening, I also, too, want to say that, you know, and Lucas had, had made this comment at the budget hearing, uh, Superintendent Gear, but talking about a lot of the, the cuts that were, that are being made currently and that are, that are on the table, you know, it's not a performative. Mm -hmm. And, and I know there are even some questions uh, kind of going around about, are you, you know, you're cutting this entire department or this entire program. Right, right. And, you know, he had, uh, Lucas had originally stated it during one of our joint budget, uh, I'm sorry, during our, our um, budget subcommittee with the schools. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I think all of us, you know, at least there at the table, all in agreement that it's what we're trying to do now when we're filling again a $2.4 million shortfall is not to take out an entire slice of the pie, right. not cut just an entire program, but to try to, you know, take off, you know, a, a little bit from this program, a little bit from that program. And again, mm -hmm. in, in some of these conversations, we're talking about real people and oh. real jobs and real livelihood. <clears throat> it's not easy, yeah. but uh, we're, we're trying to make every effort right now to not just completely eliminate an entire program, mm -hmm. but instead to kind of keep everything afloat and everything moving as, as right. best as it possibly can, kind of given the circumstances. Because you know, we've talked a lot about like the World Language Program. Yes. And that was something that got cut, you know, due to, to budgetary reasons and it's gone. Like it, it's, it's been brought up every now and again as mm -hmm. like a little side conversation. Right. But once once a program completely leaves a budget, it is incredibly difficult to get it back right. in. And so we're trying with the cuts that we are currently have on the table, trying to do the best that we can to maintain everything, mm -hmm. but just take a little bit off of you know of, of each slice of the pie. Right. A quick stat too. It's what between uh, salary and benefits. It's I think eighty eight percent of the entire school budget is personnel cost, which is why it's not just the teacher. It's all these other people that are delivering the services, etc. And thereby, when it's eighty eight percent of the budget, there's not a whole lot of other stuff that's that's available for cutting. No, that you know that we have like there's uh, I think it's like a twenty five percent reduction in in the supplies, like in in you know just. Mm -hmm. Pens, papers, ink crayons, chalk, whatever. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so so there are some some cuts there. Uh, there there's going to there's currently planned to be you know reductions in some of the athletic seasons and some of the the games that are being participated in. Right. Um, you know, More we're looking at the lower levels as I heard, kind of the JV and Froshmore as opposed to the varsity level, but. Who knows, maybe the varsity would be affected in some way. Certainly they will be over time because that's the feeders for the varsity level anyway. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Now there's, there's just, and there's, but we're also looking to, uh, into trying to, to raise revenue, mm -hmm. you know, as well. I know there's going to be, you know, there's likely going to be, you know, fees that are going to be increased. And we're also, you know, taking, you know, there's some money from the circuit breaker for, right. it's effectively next year. It's like breaking into to the piggy bank, but really trying to, to do everything that we can, kind of, you know, just look under every couch cushion mm -hmm. to try to maintain some, you know, normalcy from, from one year to the next. 
while accounting for the realities that we have with mm -hmm. the dollars that are on the table. Yeah. Yeah, and this, uh, to the extent that at least I think it's the fourth or fifth year that you've done, you and certainly Miriam and finance uh, have collaborated in order to do that, but um, you've dipped into the revolving funds. Um, at some point in time, if you continue to dip, you may want to look at the policy that you had in terms of maybe instead of having a full year's worth kind of in the bank, which again, I think we talked about that goes back to 2007, 2008 with a financial forensic audit because of some bookkeeping issues back then. So it certainly is a valid piece, but maybe you only keep kind of uh, three quarters of a year or maybe a half year to at least give you some a little bit more money to be available if that's an option, just offhand. Some of the kind of uh, the longer time Franklinites will say, well, oh, they will always find the money. No, there is no money to be found. <laughs> Case closed, there is no money to be found. Um, and I think specifically in the last 10 years at least, um, the audit reports have been getting, getting cleaner and cleaner and cleaner. It also came up uh, and it wasn't clear in the FinCom hearings and I talked with the controller to confirm, but when the auditor comes in, he audits the entire town operations. So schools are included in the audit, right? So there's the, the checks and the balances are in control over the entire piece. From a town council perspective, obviously they give you the one number, you do all the stuff inside. But from a financial perspective, the auditor still comes in and checks to make sure that the revolving funds are doing what they're doing, the incomes, the outcomes are still doing what they're doing, payroll is still what it's supposed to be, the invoices are still what they're supposed to be. So we have a clean audit. There is no money to be found. There is nothing there. Um, the other piece that was interesting, and I think it got mentioned in there, and certainly I think is one of the reasons I'm saying it here is it needs to be come forward more, is that on the town side, people say, well, and they understand to a certain extent that free cash comes from either additional revu revenue other than what we forecasted or additional a, a budget that was not spent in that budget year falls into free cash, which then gives us our capital funding. Similarly, so they give you, call it 73 million and call it 500,000. If you don't spend that 73 million and 500,000, that 500,000 potentially, that just drops back into the town free cash bucket. Right? So the schools don't keep anything <laughs> if you don't spend it. Now, clearly, I think in Merriam said, well, it's rare that you ever give something back <laughs> because you've been operating on such a tight budget. You're always, and I think you see it more clearly, there's, the, uh, there's budget adjustments periodically that you vote on because you've allocated X amount for this school or that school, but there's an adjustment needs to be made. So... Those are still being financially transacted, and oh yeah, that's part of what the audit does. So yeah, we know that that's working because there's no issues there. Um, so I think those are part of the stories that, at least from kind of the old timer perspective, you know, they could find money. They were ha having things that said, no, 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 doesn't exist. No, gone. No, no, things are operating nicely, and we got a AAA funding. Well, 
triple A bond rating because things are in the state they are. Exactly, because and I because I know that there had been you know years in, in the past when we kind of go in the you know way back machine where the the budgets were being balanced by dipping into the stabilization or oftentimes just completely exhausting it and. You know, Jamie made, you know, I thought just an incredibly compelling point to say, you know, like, here's all the financial advantages that we have, especially when you look at the bond mm -hmm. rating in with today's interest rates to be able to kind of secure the bond rating that we sure. have. And yeah, it, it, you know, such a large part because of the, the funds that are kept in the stabilization account um, needs to be there, needs to be protected. Right. I think Jamie even mentioned that too on night three of the FinCom a lot of the reserves and how important it is to be able to to hold on to the reserves. And mm -hmm. that was something even when we were when the subcommittee we were looking at how how to to fill that two point four million dollar gap and we were looking at, you know, raising fees and we did include some circuit breaker. Mm -hmm. Um that's not something that we're gonna typically do because again that is breaking into next year's piggy sure. bank. Yeah. But we, you know, try to to minimize its impact, and that's also from a risk perspective. Well, now you're dependent, you're making a choice in a risky one, but also dependent upon state, and they haven't finished what they're doing yet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that gets a little riskier. So at least if you know, based upon your local receipts, i.e., user fees for other buses, transportation, sports, extra activities, you at least have a little bit more comfort level around those, so you can make some choices there. Um, with all due respect, the state, until they finish their budget, we don't know for sure what's going to happen. Right, yeah, until those, those cherry sheets are finalized. And, and I think the, the timing piece was, was tricky, and, and Lucas kind of alluded to this as well during some yeah. of the meetings, but for instance, when, uh, when we were looking to, to raise some of the fees, um, the bus transportation cost just wasn't, it didn't make sense to be no. able to raise it because at that point we had already uh, opened up transportation for the fall. Mm -hmm. A lot of families already were kind of in the process of, of signing up sure. and potentially paying. Yeah. So now all of a sudden we're kind of talking about that office spending their summer as a collections agency to try yeah. to get, you know, what little increase Some additional we time spent for an incremental increase that it just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Exactly. Yeah, respectfully, just, yeah. I mean, not not that it was going to bring in a whole boatload more anyway. No, we were talking about like based on the the numbers we were looking at, an extra twenty thousand mm -hmm. dollars. So it wasn't going to be no. you know that that savior, but um, it just also wasn't realistic. Even you know we kind of had a conversation, and Miriam you know anticipated maybe they'll get mm -hmm. lucky and they'll get about fifty percent of that back. Right. So at that point, it doesn't quite make sense. No, no. We've still got the FinCom. Well, you've got a, another subcommittee, budget subcommittee meeting next week, um, potentially one after that, depending upon what the town council finally does, assuming they go according to the plan to grant that extra. Um, and then you'll have your meeting the following, I think it's the 13th, mm -hmm. to make the approval. Um, and that brings at least the fiscal year <laughs> with this particular budget to a close. But as we alluded to earlier, there may still be changes going on during the year based upon other things that are happening. And there's going to be, I think, a lot of, you know, work. I was, you know, really excited to to hear uh, all the, the, I don't say the big initiatives, but the, the, a big push and a focus mm -hmm. to say, all right, you know, we got to come together as a joint budget subcommittee more and really yes. kind of take a look at the the big picture yeah. in a long-term plan. And, and that's something where, you know, I'm, I'm 
grateful to be able to kind of have a seat at that table as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm looking forward to that work, you know, because yeah. it's something where, you know, it, I know uh, Jamie's mentioned it a few times. I started hearing, um, you know, uh, Councillor uh, Frangillo mentioned as well, but the term like sustainability. Yes. You know, and I really, and that's going to be such a, a key goal to be able to kind of hit moving mm -hmm. forward is to be able to kind of get to that, you know, say, all right, this is a long-term vision. This is the, right. this is the price tag that we, that we, you know, are, are looking and it's going to cost to get there. How do we get there? But also how do we make it sustainable once we're there? Right. That's really going to be the key. And that's where, even from a historical perspective, that at least I started this many years ago, 16 plus, uh, because of the budget issues as my kids were going through. We, the athletic fees started then, the busing fees started then, they weren't taking buses at the time, but my wife who was teaching kindergarten was talking about budget cuts and supplies, et cetera, et cetera. So I got started getting involved and have continued to stay involved because, oh, by the way, yes, it, this is clearly by definition a systemic issue. There's been a budget issue every single year, some more so than others, and there are still hard choices to be made and potentially even harder choices next year unless we come up with whatever that plan is and whatever that potential sustainable solution would be. Um, and it's, at least it's going to be an hour ball court, hour meaning all the Franklin residents. The opportunity is now. Mm -hmm. If you want to figure out what's going on, there's a boatload of info on the budget page. There's a boatload of info on equally on the school's budget page. So you can go school by school, line item by line item to find out what's in there. And obviously, those are still the draft ones. Once the final ones are there, they'll be updated <laughs> as well. Um, and then stay in touch with the school committee discussions, town council discussions, those joint budget discussions. Um, because we're aware, certainly, there's enough increases already there. We know the storm uh, stormwater fee is starting July 1. Relatively minor, but, oh, yeah, it's a tax on rain. Well, that's a bigger issue. Also an unfunded mandate, by the way. Yes. <laughs> and, and we did fight City Hall, the EPA in this case. Gained some concessions, but ultimately lost. We still have to pay. <laughs> it's just delayed a little bit. Um, Tri-County may come forward with a budget. Uh, a potential override to fund a new school and or renovation. That's still in a decision point. We don't know just yet. Um, sewer rates are going up to pay for that Beaver Street Interceptor that, heaven forbid, before we get finished, <laughs> it doesn't break. Because even though it'll cost us, you know, 25, 30 million, it could cost us in the neighborhood of three to four hundred million, depending upon if it breaks and where it breaks and how it breaks. It's currently so. knocking on wood right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and then during the finance committee meetings, I believe the water folks in, alluded to additional EPA uh, mitigations for PFAS. So we're looking at potential water rate increases either next year or the year after. So being mindful that, I mean, obviously we've got one pocket. <laughs> There's so many hands dipping into the pocket as it is. We need to understand why and how and what it's for. Um, and at least, you know, willingly as opposed to grudgingly. <laughs> yeah, because it's coming up with it. It's tough. You know, it's yeah, everyone's everyone's facing you know, those, you know, the, the looking at the bank accounts and looking at, you know, at, at the mm -hmm. gas pumps. And um, and even, too, I think uh, uh, Jamie had mentioned 
in, I think it was in November, that the electricity, and again, yes. like the amazing rate that they have, it's still a great rate, right? but it's it's going up by... Yeah, it's, it, it's know, 10.75, it'll go to 15. But in comparison to who knows, last year it was 30-something from National Grid. This year it may be 45, 50-something. Who knows? Right. We're still getting an amazing, <laughs> amazing deal with, with the contracts that are being negotiated, but it's still also going to be an increase. Right. And yeah, and I, I know that uh, I was hearing uh, from, from someone that we're kind of talking about how, yeah, in the past it was there was almost like a, like a threat, like we're going to eliminate this or cut this if, mm -hmm. if we don't get the money. And yeah, I think that's where you kind of talk about to, to, to have that, that story, to be able to say, there are no threats. We're just being, trying to be as transparent and realistic as possible. Mm -hmm. This is how much it costs to be able to provide these levels of service. Is this what we want to strive for is that that long-term vision that kind of that Tyrell mentioned what we're you know here here it is here's how much it's going to cost and, and again yeah there's, there's there's no caught uh, there's no there's no threats we're not looking to you know go and and, and cut from some other department we'll just to be able to say realistically this is what we would like to do here's how much it costs mm -hmm. and and then start to to figure out that that middle ground mm-hmm yeah. In, in whatever value yep. that, however big it is. Yep. Well, thank you for taking time today to cover at least where we're at. It's a developing story, as listeners, you've heard. <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned as it continues to develop. Um, but thank you for taking time to do this and wish you the best of luck in your next couple of weeks. Appreciate <laughs> as it. As this continues to uh, develop. I think uh, next year I might just buy a car and see if I can bunk <laughs> with, uh, with Lucas's office. Indeed. And for the listeners, we do this again because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements. And I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tintype Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy. And by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.